Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. I've heard a lot of good stories here lately. I've lost part of this thing. Anyway, I've heard a lot of good stories, a lot of good talk, people having gospel conversations, people uh, starting Bible studies in their workplace, people praying for people. So keep up the good work, Rock House. I'm, I'm proud of you. Uh, we're going to continue this series today. Who's your one? Uh, that's my... My pastor, Johnny Hunt, that's who I listen See, as preachers, you don't get to come to church and listen to a preacher on Sunday. So I, I listen to a lot of different pastors and a lot of different preachers. Johnny Hunt is one of those that I really uh, hone in on a lot throughout my week. So we're going to continue this series this morning. And we're going to look at a passage from Luke chapter 5, a story most of us learned in Sunday school or at least heard along the way. It's the story of the paralyzed man and his friends that brought him to Jesus. Amen. The question this morning is, what are we willing to do to get others to Jesus? How far are we willing to go? How much are we willing to uh, go out of our way and to sacrifice? How much time are we willing to invest? What are we willing to say to hopefully steer them to Christ? So this story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and each one of those is a little bit different. Now, some people say because they're different means the Bible can't be trusted, and there's three different stories. Well, have you ever got the same story from three different men? Let's be honest. It's the same story, just a little, you know, three different ways. Matthew is a little different than Luke and a little different from Mark. But each one of these gives us additional details. They don't contradict one another. But let's look at it from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. Luke says, On one of those days, while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Him being Jesus. And just then some men came, carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. And they tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your stretcher and go home. And immediately he got up before them, picked up what he'd been lying on, and went home, what? 
glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were given glory to God. And they were filled with awe and said, We have seen incredible things today. What a cool story. So there's, there's several characters in this story. Obviously, we have Jesus. He's kind of the main character, right? Then you've got this crowd that's gathered around Jesus. And you've got the four friends and the paralytic, the paralyzed man. Today, we're going to focus on those last two, the friends and the paralytic. First of all, let's talk about the friends. And, and let me just say, what, <laughs> what some great friends this poor man had. I don't know how many people actually have friends that would do this for you. Uh, I would love, I've got some really good friends, all right? But I would love to have friends like this man had. How would you like to have friends that prayed for you? Friends that truly looked out for your best interest? Friends that maybe challenged you at times, even though it kind of upset you a little bit, but they challenged you to do what was right and to go closer to God instead of going off track. Friends that may get you to Jesus when you can't get to Jesus yourself. They literally carried Him to the Lord. Now, we need friends like that, and also we need to be friends like that. So three things about these friends. The friends, first of all, they knew their one. And we've been asking the question, who's your one? Who is it? Who's the one you're going to pray for? Who's the one that you're going to go out of your way and have gospel conversations with? The one you're going to invite to church. The, the one you're going to commit to until they come to Jesus. Maybe you'll even get a couple more people and help you drag them in here to Jesus. All right, But who they knew... They're one. And when they heard that Jesus was in town or in the area, we don't know where they came from. I don't know if you've ever carried somebody on a stretcher, but even if you've got four people carrying somebody on a stretcher, it is very hard carrying a pot, a, 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 a mixed up person in body, a potty. <laughs> carrying a person <laughs> on a stretcher. So we don't know how far they carried their friend, but they believed they didn't hesitate when they heard Jesus was there and they believed in their hearts that Jesus was the answer for their friend. And so they worked together. And in one mind, in one accord, it almost sounds the way the church should operate, doesn't it? They carried their friend and committed themselves to getting him to Jesus. So in this guy's case, there happened to be four friends. How lucky was this guy? I mean, really. Four friends. It, it, it seems like you, you look at this, his character, it don't seem like he has a lot to offer them. He's paralyzed. He's, he lives his life on this stretcher or on the ground or in a bed. And these four men were committed to their one friend. 48% of Americans say they have only one person in which they can confide and trust in. Half of Americans essentially have one person that they can call a close friend. We're more connected than we've ever been in history, but we're so separated and alone. This guy had four friends. So here's what's neat about your one, that person you've been praying for. I think it's very likely, and I hope it's true, that your one 
It's probably somebody else's one too. Now, don't let that bother you. Don't, don't get all territorial on me, okay? It's a good thing. Because what's that mean? If, if your one is somebody else's one, that means twice the prayers, twice the invitations, twice the gospel conversations. It's a good thing for your one. Statistics tell us it takes an average of seven gospel interactions before a person makes a decision to follow Christ. Maybe you're sharing your one with six other people. That'd be perfect. But in this case, these four friends were very driven. And so it only took one shot. And that's the next point. The friends were driven by a mission. A mission is something that simply guides us. It kind of defines our boundaries. and helps us move forward uh, to where we can reach our goals and we can reach our our destination, wherever it is we're wanting to go. Complete our mission. This is how the military operates. So a commander says, this is our mission. This is the end state, the, the things we have to do when it's all said and done. And then subordinates go and they meet the mission in any way that they see possible. But as long as they meet the mission based on that criteria. Companies have mission statements that guide them along. Rock House Baptist Church has a mission statement. We boil it down to three simple words. Does anybody know what it is? Connect, grow, go. That's actually pretty good. I heard a lot of mumbling there. Connect, grow, go. That's our mission statement that drives us forward. So believe it or not, Jesus Christ himself had a mission, a purpose, a mission statement. We find it in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says this, For the Son of Man has come to what? To seek and to save the lost. So you would think as followers of Jesus, we would be an extension of Jesus' mission. Like these four friends, God has placed us here to help seek and to save the lost. To get the paralyzed to Jesus. To get the lost to Jesus, to get the broken and the hurt people to Jesus. Because these guys believed Jesus could help their friend. How many else believe that? Okay, that, that's pretty good. <laughs> I was hoping a little bit of return on that one. But they believed Jesus was the answer. I believe Jesus is the answer for your one. I believe that Jesus is the answer for your family, for your friends, for your children, for your spouse. I believe it with all my heart or I wouldn't be doing this today. But here's the great part. These friends got a two for one. <laughs> so we have to assume they brought their friend, the paralyzed guy, to Jesus for physical healing. It seems like that's why they got him there. They wanted Jesus to heal him. To make him walk. And so they go through all this trouble. And like I said, it's hard carrying somebody on a stretcher. But not only do they carry him there, they get him there. And they have to stand there and hold him for a while trying to get through the crowd. And if they can't do that, so they've got to get him up on top of the roof. I mean, wrap your mind around this. And then when they get him up there, Mark tells us a little other detail that they actually had to dig through the roof. They didn't just get to pull something back. They had to go through the roof. And then, I don't know where they got the rope from, they lowered their friend down before Jesus. And in Jesus seeing their faith. Whose faith? Their faith. Not the man's faith. It, it don't sound right, does it? 
You ever think that your faith, your faith plays a role in somebody else getting to Jesus? Hmm. And so Jesus sees their faith and he looks at the man and he says, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Praise the Lord. But I would imagine these friends might have got a little tore up at that point. Because they didn't come here to get his sins forgiven. They brought him here to get him healed so he could walk home. Because Jesus could heal people. And Jesus looks at him and says, uh, Sorry man, you're, you're, but your sins are forgiven. So what, if you're these friends, what are you thinking? You went through all this trouble to get him healed. And yeah, he's going to heaven, but now you've got to carry him back home. <laughs> you mean we brought him here and this is all we get? As we go out and we do good things for people and we share the gospel, we've got to remember, as bad as we want certain things for people, as bad as we want their living conditions to get better, as bad as we want their physical uh, bodies to get better, as bad as we want all these things in their life to change, the greatest gift that anybody can receive is forgiveness from God through Jesus Christ. The greatest thing we can offer is not money, it's not healing, it's not social help, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've got to keep our focus on that. So fortunately, for those friends and for this man, Jesus really wanted to prove a point to these Pharisees and teachers of the law. And so he, in addition to a spiritual healing, he, he literally tells the man, get up and go home. Only Jesus can do something like that. <laughs> Not only has he forgiven his sins, but he, he just looks at him and tells him, get up and go home. And what happens? The guy gets up and goes home. There's nobody else that could look at somebody and that happen. Folks, Jesus can save your soul and He can change your life. He can set you free from your past. He can deliver you from whatever chains and addiction that you're dealing with. He can heal you from past hurt. He can even heal your, your body. He can mend broken relationships. Jesus has caused the blind to see. He's called the lame to get up and walk. He called the dead back to life. And so let's talk about this. Because some of us here, we're, we, we relate more to the friends in this story. We're going out there. We're doing our best. We're praying for our one. We're talking to our ones. And we're trying to get people to Jesus. But some of us are still the guy on the stretcher. Some of us are kind of both. We're trying to help other people, but like, it's like half of us, we're like dragging this stretcher behind us, you know? So, for real. So let's talk about it. Why is it? Why are some of our friends, some of our ones, we can't understand it. Why are they staying paralyzed? Why aren't they coming to church? Why aren't they accepting Jesus? We're praying, we're talking to them. What's the deal? We've got to understand what keeps... Paralyzed people paralyzed. Five things. Five paralyzers. The first one is the crowd. <laughs> the friends wanted to get their friend to Jesus quickly. They wanted to put him down. He's heavy. They wanted him to get better. But there was a crowd that was in the way. Now, normally, for whatever reason, I've always pictured this, this scene as, as the crowd is a bunch of other sick people. And then they're coming to Jesus and Jesus is sitting there one by one and he's, he's healed them and they leave and then somebody else comes up and he heals them and they leave. But what does Luke say? Who does Luke say the crowd? He says, 
on one of those days while he was teaching, teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who'd come from all over. It wasn't all a bunch of sick people trying to get healed. It was a bunch of church people that was in the way. And notice what Jesus was doing. He was there teaching. He wasn't necessarily there healing. And this crowd of Pharisees, the, the holier-than-thou type people, and the teachers of the law blocked the other people from getting in to see Jesus. They were the ones that should have been making the way for others to see Jesus. The greatest excuse when you talk to people, the greatest excuse that many lost people have for not coming to Jesus is the way that Jesus' people act and talk and them mean old church people and they're so judgmental and all these other things. And we say, yeah, it's an excuse, but I tell you what, it's a pretty good one, to be honest with you. So if you're going to wear the Christian label, start acting like a Christian. <laughs> start talking like a Christian. Because there's enough other reasons that people are paralyzed. The next one is fear. Fear. People are naturally fearful, especially when, uh, when it involves change. And let me tell you, when you come to Jesus, you will radically change. Your life will radically change. And it can be a little scary. This man came to Jesus and not only was he saved from hell, but his physical life, his physical existence on earth was totally changed from being paralyzed to walking home glorifying God. We fear uh, what people will think about us if we get saved, if we start coming to church. We fear that we can't live up to it. We can't live up to all the rules. We, we uh, have all these different things we're, we're afraid of. I fear what my life will be like if I come to Jesus. All the fun stuff will go away and I'm scared of that. We just got to cast our fears on Jesus because fear will paralyze you. The third thing that will paralyze us is pride. Too many people think they're okay. We don't need Jesus because we're good enough without Jesus. And it goes back kind of to the first one with the crowd. Well, if so-and-so is going to heaven, I'm definitely going to heaven. But if you were good enough without Jesus, maybe it should have been you that died on the cross for the rest of us. But pride keeps us from admitting that we desperately need Christ in our lives. We don't want to show our weaknesses. We don't want to come and pray and let people see us get emotional and, and see us cry. And the oh Lord will look so weak because we're admitting that we've done all this wrong. If you're afraid of crying, I, I get it. I get it. I like to think I'm a fairly manly man. But you hang around me and Brian Hubbard long enough, you're going to start crying about something. You'll get over it, I promise. The fourth thing that paralyzes people is doubt. People doubt what the Bible says. People today are fed so many different lies from different directions. And even in this story, the crowd, the people ask, Who is this man that can forgive sins? It's an age-old question. Who is Jesus? Who is, when they were in the, the boat, they, they said, Who is this man that the water and the waves obey? And Jesus asked his disciples who they believed he was. Of course, Peter got it right. He said, there's no reason to doubt. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Somehow, when it comes to doubts, we have to take a, step, a simple step of faith and just allow God. You can't reason your way to Christ. You just got to take one simple step. Say, God, if you're real, I'm going to take this little step. And I tell you what, watch all the doubt just go away. Number five, it's a big one, it's guilt. Guilt will absolutely paralyze us. We say, I'm not good enough for God to save me. I've done too much in my life for God to forgive me. I've told God no too many times. Preacher, if you knew what I'd done, you wouldn't let me in that church. I know what it's like to feel guilty. And it's crippling. But you know what? In a sense, we're supposed to feel we're supposed to feel guilty until we come to Christ. Once we come to Jesus, guess what? All that guilt gets to go away. Wow, what's the Bible says? The Bible says God forgets our sin. Isaiah 43, 25. God says, I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake. And what? Remember your sins no more. No more. Are you, aren't you glad that God doesn't remember what you did 20 years ago? What you did in college? What you did, some of you in high school? God has forgotten that because you've given it to Christ. And you don't have to carry that guilt around with you. So those things keep us and keep other people paralyzed unless we get them to Jesus. See how that works? So here's the conclusion. We're going to end this, this morning. When paralytics start coming to Jesus, when all of our ones start getting saved, <laughs> then they will eventually. People are going to notice. People are going to start talking. Look what Luke says. It says, immediately he got up before them. He picked up what he'd been lying on. I don't know if he wanted a souvenir or maybe he had another use for it. And he went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded. And they were giving glory to God and they were, they were filled with awe and said, we have seen incredible things today. And the last point is this. I want you to take, take away. People pay attention when paralytics start praising God. People in the community are taking notice that there's something happening at Rock House Baptist Church. When I go out and I talk, everywhere I go, people say, man, what's going on? What's the Lord doing up there at that church, buddy? Y'all got a big crowd these days, don't you? Well, yeah, God's up to something, man. God's changing lives. He's saving people. And we've got plans for the future. We're trying to get a new piece of property and all this great stuff. We've got mission teams coming in left and right. And we're praying for our ones and we're sharing the gospel. Yeah, things are happening. And I can't wait to see what else God does. But at the same time, here's what we've got to remember. Every one of us that claimed to be a Christian at one time in our lives were the paralytic man on this stretcher, making excuses, crippled by our sin and our pride and our doubt and our guilt and blaming the crowd and all this. But somehow, some way, we made it to Jesus, whether somebody brought us or somebody prayed for us or somebody invited us. Everybody here at one point that is a Christian, was it one day that poor, crippled man on that stretcher? But we met Jesus, and He radically changed our lives. 
And I think that it's time that we take not just the example of the friends, because, yeah, they're great friends, but take the example of the paralytic and start acting like people that were once paralyzed and now start praising God like He saved us. <laughs> Give God the glory that He deserves. Because, Steve, I was blind, but, man, now I see. I was dead and Christ brought me to life. I was paralyzed by all these things. And Christ said, man, get up and walk and take my gospel with you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, this morning I pray that our hearts are so burdened for our ones. And Lord, if, if our one is too much for us to get to you on our own, I pray that we'll rally together with three or four others, God, and go and just pick them up Pray them through, drag them, whatever we got to do to get them to the feet of Jesus. And Lord, at the same time, we are, God, I pray, emboldened as we look back and we realize we were that man. We were that man that was so helpless, so lost, so desperate, in need of something, in need of Christ. And Lord, you changed our lives. You looked at each person that's a Christian and said, Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. And God, I pray that fires us up to get other people to Jesus. That they can stand before you and hear those words, your sins are forgiven. Get up and go home. God, I pray that you guide us, you'd use us, Lord, to further your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand with us this morning. We sing a song of invitation. And I want to ask you this question. Who are you in this story? If you're a friend, then, then, then keep it up. Keep up the good work. Keep on praying. Keep on inviting. Keep on sharing. But if you're still on the stretcher, or like I said, maybe you're trying to, to do the right thing, but man, you got a leg on the stretcher or an arm left on the stretcher, something part of you is paralyzed by some of these things we talked about, then I ask you to come and see Jesus about it. Lay it down before Christ. There is a crowd of people here this morning that can testify about what Christ can do in, in your life if you just let Him. If you need Jesus this morning, I, I'll get down and beg you to come to Him. It's that good. Come and see what it feels like to have your sins forgiven. To have your guilt washed away. Have all your doubts fixed. Whatever the Lord's calling you to this morning, if you just need to come and pray, why don't you come as we sing. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.